Hello, and welcome to this episode of the More Money Podcast. I am your host, Cassie Parks, teaching you how to welcome all kinds of more money into your life. And today I'm really excited because I have with me Cassie Price. Yes, it is double Cassie day, which means it's double awesome day. And I just, I adore this woman. So this is one of those LOA stories, law of attraction stories where uh, Cassie and I first met in a Facebook group without even really being introduced. I had seen some post in this group and I knew what she did. And we're going to talk about uh, how to repair your credit. And I'm also going to introduce why that's important as a, um, you know, as a manifester and as you grow in who you are in terms of money. So, you know, Cassie, somebody tagged Kat. They said, oh, who helps with credit? And somebody accidentally tagged me. And I said, oh, I think you actually mean Cassie Price. And I think that was actually our first introduction of like, oh, we do know who each other is. Um, and then uh, I got on the phone with her and I just knew she, she knows her stuff about credit. And this is something that as somebody who wants to welcome more money into your life, eventually you become the person, you know, no matter where you start, you become the person where credit becomes important. And part of it, stepping into your future self, it's not the thing you have to do today, but at some point you're going to want to make sure that's awesome because it's easier to welcome more money with better credit. It's not a have to, right? It's not something you have to stress about, but I do believe at some point in your journey, if this is something that hasn't been awesome for you, then you're going to want to take some steps to make it better, to step into that person who does feel even more confident about money, getting credit. Um, so welcome, Cassie. How are you? I'm great. I just was super excited when I met another adult Cassie. <laughs> he was like, no way, another adult Cassie. And out of my out of my skull excited. I was like, well, then we're meant to be if we're tagged in Facebook together and right? name and the same initials. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. Yes, right? Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and of course when we got on the phone, it was like instant connection and super fun. And uh, we get to meet each other in a couple weeks. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Excited um yeah. So like I said, you know, I think Part of I talk about in Manifest 10K. If you've been to Manifest 10K Live, you you go through this process where you forgive whatever happened, you forgive the debt, you forgive whatever thing came up, and after that, I think when you've gone through that, there's like this next step. And so that's why I invited Cassie because she can she knows what to do. She knows things that you have never heard people say, which is so cool. So I want to start here because I don't think people understand this. And I think part of understanding your money, you know, there's an assignment in Manifest 10K where learn something about money. Uh, so let's teach everybody, Cassie, can you tell us what is a credit score? Like all the detail, like what is it? Why yeah. is it important? All the things that go into what it actually is, because other than a number, I don't feel like most people know what it is. Yeah. So Everybody, almost everybody knows that there's three credit bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, Equifax. What people don't know is that you can have multiple credit scores. You actually do. You have infinite number of credit scores. So this gets a little technical and I want to talk about so many things, but one of the things that can be really confusing is that you have like, you have an auto score, you have a credit card score, you have a mortgage scores, oh. and they're different for every bureau. And then you get your free scores that you get on Credit Karma, Nerd Wallet, you know, those kinds of things. And those scores can be very different from a FICO score. So 
I have a course coming out called Credits for Builders Lab, and it'll go into all of that in detail. So you'll, you know, you'll hear about what's your FICO 8 auto score and what's your Credit Karma score and the best places to pull those. But I think it's, it's one of those things that people can get really stuck on. Like you can, go to, you can go to Credit Karma and think your score is 740. And then you go to the car dealership and they pull a different scoring model and it's 640. And you get totally different financing. And so credit scores are interesting because they're all algorithms based on risk. And I'm, I'm a nerd, so I am into this. <laughs> I'm into nerdy algorithms like that. But there's ways to manipulate each one so that you can get the highest credit score. And I think one of the interesting things about like inviting more money into your life is sometimes it's not... I need to make more money. Sometimes it's the ease of access to other tools that give you more money. So the other thing about credit scores is they're bracketed. So anything over a 720 and even in some brackets over a 700 is a lot of car dealerships. If you're over a 700, that's a perfect score. You get top tier financing. And then uh, it's usually like 660 to 720 and each, each individual lender sets their own brackets. Um, that's like the, the good area. And then fair is in that middle 600 range. So the top score is an 850 always. And the bottom score is a 300. I've actually never seen a 300. I would love to see what a 300 looks like. I can imagine it, but I've never seen it. <laughs> that's the, the numbers kind of, yeah. well, and based on what you do, I bet you're like, Oh, I want to see like, how far could I everything. get that? Right. Like yeah. how far? Yeah. So, you know, credit scores are important for a couple, like they pull them as a, you know, as a landlord, I always pull the credit score because I wanted to, and I didn't necessarily look at the number, but yeah. most, a lot of times most people just go off the number. Like I would look like, okay, what, what did you, or what didn't you pay or whatever? Yeah. Um, and so we know a little bit, so the, it matters in terms of, you know, I think it matters a lot in who you're being, right? Like, yeah. it, it makes a difference in how you walk into a car. If you're needing a new car, um, how you walk in, you know, how you feel yeah. about it, which is big deal. And then also, like you said, you know, if you hit that top tier, so sometimes just making a little tweak could save you 20, 50, a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Maybe well, more. There's the people there's three, there's five parts that make up your credit score, but there's really only one, there's one part that you can do every month that you've got the most control over of. So that's 30% of your score is your credit utilization. So it's, if you've got $10,000 in total credit and you're using $1,000, you've got a 10% usage and that's a very good number. Anything over 30%, so in this 10% example, anything over 3,000 starts to really get you. You start to ding your score and it goes down and down. If you maxed out your credit cards in one month, your score would drop about 100 points. And if you paid them off um, in one month, your score would rise 100 points, you know, depending on what else is going on in your score. But the thing that's really important about that is let's say you're going to go get a car. And you're like, all right, I'm going to go get a car. I've been, you know, I've been manifesting this great house. I'm going to go get a mortgage for it. And the two months, usually the two months so that all your bills can hit, you want those balances to be really low. And then it doesn't so much matter like after you get the car loan, but if you know that you've got the power to manipulate those scores a little bit so that you look really good on paper, 
you can save yourself a lot of money and a lot of time. And I think too, you, you know, you can wind up getting into better cars, premium cars, financing, whatever it is that, that you desire. And I think it just, you know, there's something about the ease and the simplicity that comes with having really good credit. So that's what I think is, is interesting about it in terms of inviting more of it into your life. And for a lot of people, it's a really intense source of shame. You know, yeah. I've had a, I had a friend, I told you about this story one time, but I had a friend who pulled me aside at a cocktail party and I knew she made probably $150,000 a year in a mid-sized city. She was like, I need to talk to you about my credit score. And I was like, I was thinking, oh, wow, what's going on? Girlfriend's got a shopping problem or, you know, this is where it gets real. And she's like, I have a 750 score and I'm really embarrassed. Why isn't it higher? And I had to rearrange my features because I see people with a, you know, 550s. So I have to rearrange my features so I'm not laughing at her because I was right. expecting her to drop this bomb on me, right? About how horrible <laughs> Right. It is. Yeah. And so in her situation, she has a company car. She doesn't have any student loans and she doesn't have a mortgage. So she doesn't have any of those installment things yep. like that you pay regularly on every uh-huh. month. So all she has is great history with credit cards. And so part of it a little bit is that she's like, she's in her early thirties. She's not quite old enough to have that history that would push her up towards 800. So, and I think she was, uh, she was in her mid seven hundreds. And I said, well, when was the last time you had a credit line increase? And she said, I don't even remember. And so I said, call your credit card companies and ask for a credit line increase. I recommend people do this actually every six months or so. And if they say why, say, I'm traveling. I just want to make sure that I'm covered. And she's someone that that pays off her balances, you know, rarely every yeah. balances. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one she called was American Express. And they said, oh, hey, you know, like here's a $5,000 increase. And then they sent her an email or they sent her a snail mail a couple weeks later and they bumped it like another $20,000. And so, so that just adjusts those ratios that doesn't actually, you know, once those ratios are adjusted, you don't actually have to pay down any more of the balances. And now she's almost up at 800. That's amazing. And that's so cool because nobody who, who's going to tell you, but you to do that. Right. Not everyone's a nerd. Right? <laughs> and so that's what I love about you is you're like, I'll make, make a phone call. Like ask is so important, yeah. but, you, but you have to know what to ask for. You have to know why yeah. you're asking. And I think that this is a great, um, you know, for my listeners, those of you who've been following me for a, a while, like this is what somebody does, you know, who's who feels powerful when it comes to credit, right? So sometimes some of you I know have like, oh, I overspent before and you have this this stuff and you're stepping into this person who's really good with money. And so being able to ask for a credit increase and know you're not going to do anything with it, it's just to help you when you do want to do something is is really powerful. Uh, But I want to go back to this whole shame thing. And I love this story because I can relate. I like I had this thing. This was years ago. I had moved. uh, The the Lowe's bill didn't get to my house. It didn't get forwarded or I didn't for whatever. It was I was like 30 days late. And every time it would show up on my report, I felt like, oh, my gosh, like this is terrible. Because when you pull it, it'd say factors, you know, because you missed a payment. And I'm like, it was one payment, right? But my score was still in the high 700s. This wasn't a 
But that shame comes at all levels. So I think that's important for people to know. What are some of your tips or can you help people sort of, is there anything you can tell our listeners to help alleviate like this shame that comes around credit score and pulling your credit score? Well, I was fine. So most of my work is part credit strategy and part credit repair. And I always find that actually the hardest thing for almost everybody, whether they, and it depends on how, what their relationship with their credit is, if they think it's good or if they think it's okay, the hardest part is always pulling your own credit report like out of the whole process. And people can get really stuck. And there's just something I think about looking and seeing what's so. Mm-hmm. Like what so is a couple years ago, you missed a payment to Lowe's and it just, you know, even now I just, I, I know what that feels like when you're like that one thing, what right. you can do with that Lowe's payment is you can actually call them and say, Hey, I was moving, missed the bill. Can you remove those late remarks from my credit report? And if the calling doesn't work, you can always write a letter. So write a letter and it, you know, it goes through different channels. You might not be talking to someone who, you know, can't do anything about it. If you write a letter, it's more likely to get to somebody that can, or it'll get forwarded somewhere. Right. And you just say, look, I've been a really good customer. I'd really like it if you could remove that. It's more likely to happen if you missed one payment or a couple payments in a row. Yeah. It's likely to happen if you, you know, five years ago, you missed three payments. A couple years ago, you missed a couple payments and it's spread out. But one of the things that's interesting about the algorithms is they start to count those late payments for less and less. So all of those things age off your credit history in seven years, but there's a lot of credit reports and, that will only show the last three or four, mm-hmm. mostly three years, th- the past 36 months of your payment history. So as a landlord, you might, you know, someone might have had a payment issue six years ago and you actually won't see it on the reports that you pull. Yeah. So, but if you just want it to be the best that you can, then you, you know, call and ask for sure. I love that tip. It's past the seven years now, yeah. but I love, and so I remember like when it stopped like showing up and like the, you know, green, 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 red, green, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, which is awesome. But who knew like I could have just called and done that Yeah, and like not been, not had this sort of stress or this like, oh, shame. I missed one payment, like, you know, way back when. Right. And so is there anything, so that's like knowing that even if you have a high score, there's one bump in the road. Um, I think what your advice of just looking, you know, this is what I talk about, like at one point in Manifest 10K is just look at your number, like just look where the money's going. I'm not asking, you know, I don't ask you to like change it or do anything, but you can't, you can't do anything until you look, right? Is that what you tell your clients? Yeah. And I also think there's something, the not looking also comes from those horrible, sick feeling when you don't Mm -hmm. open your mail or you're just chucking everything into the recycle bin or shredding it or, you know, however you deal with it. But there's that horrible feeling that just comes and the energy around it of, I don't want to open that credit card statement. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to go get the mail, whatever it is. And I think that those are things that start to impact other areas of our lives and our finances. Mm -hmm. And from personal experience, when I have been in those situations, I was in a family land development that my dad took out a $2 million loan on a piece of property that had been in our family for a hundred years. And we wound up losing it in the crash of 2008. 
there were years when I didn't want to open my mail and it was really hard for me. And, and I see this a lot with my clients to be on one hand, like I'm attracting good things into my life. The universe has my back. I don't want to check my mail. It makes me sick. So there's those, there's sort of that dichotomy. And I think that this work of looking at things brings those two people closer together. Like your future self that is really stepped into someone who's powerful with money. They open their mail, right? They feel yeah. a sense of power around their credit score. So mm-hmm. one of the things I get asked all the time is like, how many credit cards should I have? How often should I apply for new credit? That kind of stuff. People who are in like the, the high 700s, 850s, the 800s, they usually have some sort of installment loan that they've paid on. So they're paying on cars or student loans or a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And then they have three to five credit cards. So first, and they also, so they have three to five credit cards and they also like their mortgage is usually close to what their yearly salary is but the amount of available credit they have is usually about 50% of what their like what their yearly salary is. So if you're making $100,000 a year, you've got about $50,000 worth of credit um, and you got use it. 2 to 5% of it every month. So you're someone who pays it off every month. It, the interesting thing about credit is people think, "Oh, I'm really good with money, but I don't use credit cards." Mm-hmm. And then they look at their score and they're like, Oh, but my score's not that good. So here's what I do. And people can take this for what it's worth. Some people have different systems. My system is I like having a rewards card, like an airline miles rewards card that I use for all of my everyday purposes. So I like the Capital One Venture card just because I like how easy it is to use on different stuff. Some people really like the Chase uh, Platinum card or the Chase Sapphire card. Those you can get recommendations and you kind of know what the premium cards are. Some people like an American express, but I use that one thing for all my gas groceries, that kind of thing. But I also want to have another relationship with other banks. So I don't want to have all my, my eggs in one basket. So then I have another cash back rewards card that's not miles or anything. And that's what I use for, uh, I have like my Verizon bill, mm-hmm. my utility bills, all that mm-hmm. stuff automatically get pays on the paid on the cashback card. Now, some people don't care about travel as much, but for me personally, I love to travel. So I feel like those credit cards that give me airline miles, I feel like that's more of a reward for me than yeah. just like clicking credit my statement a hundred bucks every month. Totally. Yeah. So that's why I do it like that. And then also, because I like to travel, I look for cards that have no foreign transaction fees, but I like them to be on different networks because I was left stranded in Peru one time when the network for my bank that I had all my credit cards with went down. So I like to be like have a MasterCard, have a Visa, so that you're covered through different networks if you're traveling. And then, you know, some people like to have a Costco card because they've got a ton of kids and they buy a ton of gas. You can do that. And then those store cards don't really hurt you. So people are always like worried about store cards. The only time a store card hurts you is if you like, you're going to buy new appliances at Home Depot. They give you a $5,000 limit. You max out that $5,000 limit. As long as the rest of your credit profile looks good, you've got plenty of available credit on the rest of those cards. 
you can have that one card for a year while you're paying it off with no interest. Mm-hmm. Like not a big deal. But if you're, you know, if you, if you get the Home Depot card and then you go max out everything else, that's really going to nail you. So three to four cards, spread it around so you've got different relationships with different banks. And, you know, there are some people that just want to play the points game and they apply for 10 new credit cards a year and they, it doesn't really hurt their score because they've got such a thick profile. If you've just got one or two cards and one or two things, then you want to spread out how much that you ask for new credit. So this is why I actually like asking for credit line increases because you get more credit and it's not going to be a hard pull on your score most of the time. Love that. That's cool. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit to this whole, to the shame a little bit. So we talked about how even if you have a 700, 800 credit score, you can feel some shame around what's on there or because it's not, it's a 750 instead of an 800. But what can you tell people about if somebody pulls and they have a 500 score right now? Like, what can you tell them? You know, because I think one of the reasons why people don't pull it is because then, like, I don't know what to, if you pull it and you're like, it's a $500, like, it's like, what do I do, right? Yeah. That's what they feel like. Uh, I don't know what to do with this now. So can you give us some, I don't know, stories, tips about how a 500 score is not the end of the world. It's just, you got to know it. And then what yeah. can you do? And like, maybe even the best thing you could do to make it jump, you know, get the most bang for your buck if you're going to do one thing really quick. So surprisingly enough, it's actually easier to jump from a 500 to a high 600 score than it is to jump from a high 600 to uh, an 800. And the reason that that That's is- That's good news for some yeah, people. Right? Right? Yeah. I love to play this game because I'm kind of a nerd. I like to guess what people, like people tell me what their credit score is when we're talking on the phone about yeah. you know, what to do. They, they tell me what's on their report. And then I like to guess their credit score and see if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the 500 score has a lot of, there's, there's negatives on there and there's not a lot of positive pay history. There can be judgments, liens, collections, uh, history of late payments, maxed credit cards, but there's so much to work on. That's mm. the beginning. There's so much to get removed into. Yeah. Work. And so in the credit repair part of my business, what we do is we challenge everything to the bureaus. So you're protected under a lot of laws, um, the Fair Debt Collections Practices Act. And we ask the credit bureaus to prove that that was actually true. So in the case of your Lowe's thing, we would say, was that actually true? Was she actually late? And a lot of it, it's an automated thing. So they're going to send it to you know, whoever the bank is. It's Chase or Synchronicity or something like that. And they're going to verify it and they're going to come back with an automatic thing. But oftentimes they don't. And so that's how you start moving. Mm. I was talking about their scoring algorithms. If you've got nothing but positive pay history on the FICO model, there's, there's three brackets you can be in. If you've got negative issues on your credit report, there's like 12 brackets you can be on. Mm -hmm. The goal is to start chipping away at some of that stuff that gets you on different brackets. And then it's adding positive pay history. And so if you're at a 500, I know that you don't have a lot of positive pay history or your positive pay history and your good credit usage is way down. So start chipping away at some of those things, add some positive accounts. One of the things in, I have this free course called Credit Score Builders Lab, and you can go in there and figure out, okay, what do I do if I have 
a 700 and I want an 850. What do I do if I've got a 500 and I want a six, 700? And so it gives really specific stuff yeah. in there about how to get there. Um, one of the things is adjust those ratios. So it's harder to adjust those ratios when you are at that end of the spectrum because nobody's giving you new credit. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you can do is if you have people in your life, like a spouse or parents that have cards with positive pay history and low utilization is ask if you can be put on as an authorized user. So say, I don't need a card. Don't give me a card. I don't want to have that in our relationship, but can you add me on as an authorized user? And then if they've had that card since 1980, that card looks like you've had it since 1980. Wow. So, and then it help. it can help those balances too. So it's, Doing that work, we also write the creditors. So we write the creditors directly and we'd say, hey, Bank of America, was that really a late payment? Please provide the documentation. And if they can't provide it, then they have to remove it. So it's a mix of things like that. Um, Adding positive pay history. One of the things that's uh, sort of funny is, you know, I think we're about the same age, but I remember like I would get the finger hut catalog, like my parents (laughs) would get it and I'd look through it. Finger Hut has a program called the Fresh Start Program. Oh. And I have a ton of clients. My clients are mostly women. They go and buy fry boots from Finger Hut. And it gives you an installment. And so uh-huh. you get an installment loan. And then it turns into a credit card when you pay it off. So almost wow. anybody can get that card and you can start to build. That's two lines of positive pay history right there. So that's even better than a secured card because you actually get fry boots out of it or whatever it's, you know, a KitchenAid or whatever it is yeah. that you want. Um, so that's one of those little tricks that's in Credit Score Builders Lab that people can check out and see the best ways. I've got another card, uh, another couple of recommendations where you can get like almost anybody with a pulse can get a $5,000 line of credit. So if you're maxed out at $5,000 and you can get another $5,000 line of credit, then you're you've gone from being 100% utilization to 50 and then you could get a balance transfer card. If it if your score jumps enough you can get a balance transfer card, then you could go get a balance transfer card and take care of that other $5,000. So your money starts to count for more that way. Your payments count for more because you have uh, 0% interest on those balance transfer cards. So there's a lot of ways to manipulate it. I mean there's there's endless ways that you can bump and jump that score. I think the authorized user is a really powerful thing. Yeah. Um, that finger hut works like a charm. That's amazing. Who, yeah. Like who would have yeah. thought, you know, and oh my gosh, that's amazing. So if somebody says, okay, um, like you can help them, like this is all like, cool. I love it. Cause I'm kind of nerdy and numbery like that. So I'm like, yeah. Oh, I kind of just want to go do some of this stuff for fun just to see, right? Yeah, just to play, to just to be like, oh, okay. Because it's all numbers. It's not this magic, somebody in the sky saying, I think this is what's important. It's not this person in the sky saying, you're good, you're bad. Yeah. It is an algorithm. And it is in just because, you know, like there's been a point in time in my life where I didn't have enough credit because I was like, and so I had a lower score than my sister. My sister and I would go like back and forth with this. Uh, because <laughs> she worked for a credit card company. So she knows a lot of this oh, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. And so she's constantly manipulating the numbers, like you're saying, because it's fun for her. She's like, I said something yeah. one time, like, how'd you get that? And she's like, because I have an 800 score, like, because I work on that, you know, but yeah. it was like, it's so, um, 
it was like, because we had the same credit card. I was like, I didn't get one of those last week. Like, <laughs> like I didn't get an offer for checks last week. Why didn't I hit the the thing, you know? And she's like, I work at it. It's something that she, like, she's kind of like you, she is, she doesn't do it for a job, but for herself, she's constantly like manipulating the numbers to see what happens. And yeah. so I think that's important for people to understand is that this is an algorithm it's a numbers thing. When you change something, you can change a lot of things. Like that finger hut thing is amazing. So what if somebody says like, I'm all in, but I want, like, I think I need help. Like, do you, do you help people with this? Like, can you, can they, do they have to do it on their, on their own? I guess is what I'm asking. So if you, you can do it on your own. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do it on your own, I reckon if you, if you see something on your credit report and you're like, uh, if you're tempted to click that button that says dispute with the credit bureaus, I, never do it online. That's my first piece of advice. The reason that that is, is because it's sort of like they get to ask their own questions to themselves about whether or not that's legitimate. If you want to contest something on your own, write a letter, write like an actual, I know this sounds so weird, but send a paper letter. It's <laughs> The reason that that is, is you get to prove your, you get to ask your own questions. Like you could say, I was never late, whatever it is, is my dad used to have this saying, it's like leaving Dillinger to guard the safe, like the the gangster Dillinger. Um, If they're asking their own questions about what's legitimate on what they're reporting and you actually give up a couple of rights in the fine, fine print. So send a letter and then, uh, my business is two parts. One, it's Credit Score Builders Lab, which is completely free. You get that full education on the 30 different types of scores, where you can buy them, when to buy them, when to just go with free scores. Um, and I'm not an affiliate for any of them. So when to buy them is like right before you're going to go apply for a mortgage. I would pull the full FICO 3B, which is $60. Um, one time, $60, pull it, look and see. Um, and then once you know kind of what's going on with all of that, then you can look at all these different strategies that we've talked about. And then there's the other side that's the credit repair side. The credit repair side is where we challenge things from the bureau and then we also write the creditors directly. So when we write the creditors directly, for example, I just wrote someone on a mortgage and they sent the mortgage documents back and it looks like the notary had forged uh, forged items on the, you could, we did a whole handwriting comparison and it looks like the notary had forged part of the mortgage documents. And so we wrote, and this is someone who had gone through a foreclosure. So uh-huh. this had nothing to do with the foreclosure or the legality of it or whatever. But we wrote back and we said, Hey, it appears that the notary might've committed fraud on this kind of thing. And there's power when they answer because there's things like that that come out but they're required to answer under some of the laws. So if they don't answer, there's power in that too. So sometimes they don't answer and they're very belligerent and we refer them to our attorney partners. Mm-hmm. Then our attorneys don't take anything from the clients. They just go after the banks who, you know, essentially if they can't prove it under the law, then they're lying and they're gossiping. So I've had people get, you know, a couple thousand dollars on something. Maybe it was a foreclosure. It was legitimate. They didn't pay their mortgage but the way that it was reported wasn't correct and the bank wouldn't correct it. And so then they get a couple of thousand dollars because they've suffered from what's called credit damages. So it can be, it's a mix of those things. So it's adding positive pay history, 
And then it's also taking away the negative and whatever didn't work. So it's a whole, it's, I always say I do my part, you do your part. I can't go out and go apply for new credit for you. I can, uh, I can tell you what all the tools are. Right. And then I do my part, you do your part. The people that aren't happy with credit repair are generally the people that don't do their part. I get that. Yeah. yeah. So you can actually help people. You do help people write the letters, do all that. How do people find yeah, out more, get in touch you. with you, which yep. is awesome. So how do people, like if they're like, I want to get a mortgage in, I don't know, three to six months, whatever. I want to go do this right now. Um, tell us where to go for the free credit lab and then also how to help get your help. Yeah. So the free course that will help anyone at any stage is creditscorebuilderslab.com. And then if you've, if you've ever tried to recently name something, so many of the domains are taken. So <laughs> right. Along. Yeah. And then my company that does the credit repair is Wealth Generation Collective, also very long. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So we can link to those in the show notes, but those Definitely. are the two resources and they'll talk back and forth to each other. I also have a 10% coupon for people yes. that, that listen to your show. So it's the 10% coupon is manifest. Awesome. I love it. So perfect. I, I, th- I thought about making it Cassie, but then I thought that might be a little egotistical if people didn't realize <laughs> that you were it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So you can go, you can put in the coupon manifest. It doesn't, um, it doesn't expire. So um, but if this is something, if it, this is the next step in becoming your future self and becoming someone who's powerful with money, I highly recommend Cassie and the investment in her is like, it's going to pay off. It's one of those things, you know, for sure it's going to, you know, pay off forever. Cause if you can get your score back up, a, you're going to feel more powerful with money, which is going to bring in even more money and B it's going to save you 20, 50, a hundred bucks a month you know, when you go buy a car or when you go get a mortgage or anything like that, it just gives you that power. And it also makes you feel more powerful. And I think there is something powerful about having access to money and credit just sitting there. Like I love knowing there's 20, 30, $40,000. If I wanted to do something tomorrow that required that I couldn't like maybe cash something quick enough, I could go get that it's just powerful. I love it. So thank you for being here. Give us those two websites uh, one more time and uh, yeah, everybody go check them out. Creditscorebuilderslab.com. And then my company is Wealth Generation Collective. Perfect. The credit repair side of it. I love it. So check it out. Um, learn to become more powerful with money by becoming more powerful with your credit. Thank you so much, Cassie Price, for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.